Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the latest episode of Soccer in the City. Tom Kolker, Glenn Crooks, Roberto Bromwich, John Rojas, talking New York City FC, as always, of course, Major League Playoffs, U.S. Soccer, and of course, Diego Maradona, uh, as Glenn will post videos uh, from our session tonight, you will see everyone uh, wearing either jerseys or scarves or have backgrounds and tributes to Maradona, and obviously, I want to get uh, all your guys' thoughts on the player, the person, uh, and we'll get to that later in the show, but it is a jam-packed show. And Glenn, we want to start with the latest games in the Eastern Conference. New England and Orlando. New England, a 3-1 win. Uh, Columbus, a 2-0 win over Nashville. Uh, both intriguing games, guys. Let's start with that New England game. 3-1 win for New England. They continue to surprise and play well uh, and, and roll on in the playoffs under Bruce Arena. Uh, this was a, a back-and-forth game, and really the, the key moment in the match is the penalty for Orlando in the second half that stopped by Matt Turner. Uh, off the foot of Nani, that would have equalized 2-2. New England gets one more to make it 3-1. Uh, but this was a, a game that, as I said, back and forth, we saw a red card in the 60th minute, an obvious clear red card uh, for Orlando. But uh, New England goes down to Orlando, and they are moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, well, that's the first thing I was going to mention. I, I, you know, we, uh, we we talked a lot, and John uh, John really elaborated in, in a very effective way the Maxi Morales uh, cause for PKs, and he was the leadoff guy on PKs for New York City FC, hit the crossbar. Uh, I, I believe the official uh, word is he's five of his last 11 in PKs, and we know Nani, after missing, is now four of his last nine. Now, Oscar Perea was asked about this afterwards, and he basically said, we know Nani shouldn't be taking it, but he wanted it. So he took it, you know, and that's I um, I think I've mentioned this to you guys before. I've coached a, a long time and my wife has watched a lot of our games and she always is just dumbfounded when the best PK ticker do, t- taker doesn't step up and take it no matter who it is. How could you not have the best person taking it? And my example was our Janelle Foligno, our Canadian national team player, gave the PK uh, take to uh, uh, a fullback just to see if get her first career goal. Well, she missed and it's still one, one. And it was like, Oh my goodness. Uh, but anyway, that's just my quick story. So it's, it's pretty interesting. What I've learned on the professional level, talking to coaches uh, uh, about it, they just, they let the players handle it. It doesn't seem like there's ever like, you know, you look over to the sideline and the coach points to it. No, 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 no. Castellanos, you take it. Not you, Maxie. And uh, you leave it up to the captain. That seems to be what happened may- maybe in both cases. We don't and know. We're not sure about the Maxi case. Glenn, maybe a little interjection there because you will know this too. Um, 
it all comes with, you know, personality. I mean, you need two to tango. So if someone wants the penalty kick, that person needs to come out, right, and say it. I mean, if someone comes to Nani and say, listen, I'm going to take it, but probably nobody has the, the personality <laughs> to come to a big player like that and say, listen, I'm going to yeah. take it, right? So that's, that's kind of the, the way that sometimes the construction of these rosters in MLS play out because those players are very big players and they have the responsibility on their shoulders. I but mean, you gosh, want those but, players to say the responsibility. But yeah, but how about e you talk about ego getting in the way. It's his yeah. responsibility to know that he struggles there. To me, right, but nobody actually, and then you, you give it some, somebody, somebody who you know is going to finish it. You give it to them. But that someone has to come out and say it. I mean, why? Why? Because why can't why can't Nani say, "Look, this is not this is not my take. It's yours, uh, Mueller or whoever it is." Right, but it comes with the with the moment of the game. You know, the feelings, the tiredness. Yeah. Well, that's true. I I I, I so hear you on that. If yep. you feel, I, and that's probably the message of every coach. You know, you guys decide that. If you feel like it, you ask for the ball. Go get the ball. Now, I don't know. Not, if I'm not mistaken, as far as New York City is concerned, now we know that Maxi was hurt for a long, a long periods of time this year. But uh, when penalties were taken when he was on the field, he deferred. He didn't take any. I mean, the last one that I remember was Castellanos, and uh, he wound up. Castellanos wound up taking the penalty. Wound up getting his hat trick in that game. So um, I was more surprised that Ronnie Dyla let or put. Um, Maxi to take the first penalty kick in the shootout against Orlando. That was the surprising part, Robert. That's the big difference with with the two cases. I mean, right? One is a, one is a, a definition from the penalty. Oh, sure. Spot, yeah, yeah. But you create a list. The other one is during the game. You know what? It, it comes to mind. I just remember that one. And there's, there's an LA Galaxy game, and uh, Zlatan was about to get his hat trick. I don't remember the opposition, and um, one player that wasn't uh, for a long time without scoring, that was uh, the winger, French winger, I forgot, Alessandrini, Romain Alessandrini. So he came out to Zlatan and said, let me have it. And Zlatan just, you know, handled the ball and let the guy take it. And he explained after the game, listen, I don't need the PK, he needs it. So he asked no, for I, it, it's fine. But back did, to did the he ego. score? Yes, he did. Oh, okay. Back to the ego thing, though. I think the ego that, and I don't know Nani, so I'm just going to um, assume maybe that's the wrong word or wrong thing to do. But I think he feels like he's the captain, he's Nani, the international star, and that I have to take it. It's my responsibility to take this PK and finish it, which that's ego getting in the way. Like if somebody else takes the kick, somehow he is, is, is not you know he's not the um he's the not the guy. large presence he's not the guy you know it's like he, he's let it, his it, team down but i think you let your team down more when when maybe it's, but you're right john in the moment of the game you know you got to make a decision and if you have a feel for it then but for, you know. to your point uh glenn it, there might be more than just ego but uh, responsibility sort of like this is what they paid me for and i should take the responsibility to do this and i and i know that I've missed four out of the last eight, but 
I'm confident enough that I'm going to make this one because, I mean, you have to have that sort of confidence. And so instead of saying, and maybe it is and maybe it isn't, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here more than anything else, is that maybe it's not ego, but a sense of this is why they're paying me. This is why they brought me in for this big moments and I have to deliver. And it's because it takes pay, guts though. to take a penalty kick, too. I mean, because you don't want to be the guy who is now being talked about on soccer in the city saying, I've missed, you know, five out of the last nine. Oh, I know yeah. he's going to be appalled by, by what uh, you know, you, you don't want that. You don't <laughs> want to be talked about from the guys on soccer in the city about this. I mean, that, that the want, one, I well, mean, uh, how is that for a pox for your career? No. And uh, Glenn, I think to to your point. And to Roberto and to John's, the other options, you have goal scorers, right? Guys like Mueller and DK, but these aren't MLS veterans who have done it year in and year out that you can just say, oh, yes, they should be given the ball. Absolutely. Just put Mueller on the line. He's going to knock it in. I think it is more the latter where it's not just saying, listen, I'm the international. I'm the, the DP with all the money. I, it's, it's up to me to go up and take it. And if no I, one's going to you know, no, come you're up right. and offer... Yeah, I see to, that side to time. John's point. Yeah. Um, uh, to me, that's the but most likely give, scenario. Let's give a little credit to Matt Turner for making the save, too. I mean, so he, it was yeah. not a you know, he had to. it was reaction. He went down. I mean, it was solid. It was, uh, you know, it, it wasn't the worst penalty ever taken. And he had to make a, a, a decent save. But still, Turner, yeah, you I remember that Sean Johnson stopped a penalty kick uh, from from Nani that allowed New York City to stay alive. And, you know, yep. at that point, everybody, I thought, pretty much <laughs> thought that New York City was going to win that. But uh, that was so awesome. did Rodrigo Schlegel. But here <laughs> we are. <laughs> and then yeah. uh, that was a hell of a save. Top hand. You, you don't see keepers making the save with their top hand on penalties. I'm talking about the guy who took that PK huh? already. I was going to start talking about the guy who took that PK already. What? Which PK? The what? That one? Nani? Yeah. No, no, no. The one Slegel saved. Oh, that. Oh no, we're not talking about him. No, no, we're not talking about. Well, him. we will later, though, right? Tom, we will, we're going to yes, we go. We're going to go down the list of first team players. Thumbs up, and... thumbs down. Yes. Right. Listen, well, we... just one little thing about that. I mean, I don't, I don't see and and I don't think, and I'm I'm pretty sure that a hundred percent certain on this is no player that steps up saying, "All right, if I take it this way." Maybe, you know, he's going to have it. He's going to save it, or I'm going to just drop it here. It doesn't matter. Every single player who steps up wants to score that PK. I mean, it's part of the game. The, sure. They miss it. They have, you know, whatever it is, the, the quality of the keeper, or it's not the day. But, I mean, everyone wants to score that PK. So should, uh, should Nani have still been in the game at that point based on his uh, mini assault of the referee? Chilowitz. That's the worst part. I mean, he tried to manage that game, managing the referee, talking to the referee since minute one. And then when he had the chance, the clear chance to put the game in better terms, yeah. he just fell. Yeah, that adds to it. And that, that was a uh, red card, everybody. I mean, oh, no yeah. question, right? Oh, my goodness. Yes. That was, it it's was so blatant. Because it's a red <laughs> card that is, is just because this is a guy who's not used to pressure that way, to close down on the grass and slide tackles. And he's not. That is mm -hmm. not in his game. So the whole thing is just he is late. He did not get the ball. He went with extra force in a, in a space that were not, you know, any, have none, any, any, zero kind of, yeah. of danger for his team. 
Exactly. That's the well, thing. listen, as I was watching that unfold, I knew, I knew I was just, I had, I then opened up Twitter and I said, there's going to be a Glenn Crooks tweet regarding players surrounding the ref. It's coming and boom, there it was. I know that drives you absolutely crazy. Well, it's awful. It's awful for the game. It's an awful picture for, for, uh, for players to be watching. And I'm talking about youth, but you know, you know, a lot of people are watching this game and, and you see, I'll tell you, you, you go on a weekend, you know, to a, to a youth match and you, you see boys do that. You don't see, it's rare. You see the women do it. Uh, but you see, you see the boys doing it. You know, you see like 14 year old boys, you know, three or four of them. And it's insane. Uh, I mean, the best coaches always teach, right? I mean, two fights that you're going to lose over and over again. Every time you pick that, that fight, you're going to lose it with the principal school and the referee. <laughs> but not at home. Is that, is that no, not I at do- home? No, you at home, man. You know, you may find someone at home to help you out. But... I only got called to the principal once, and it was for sta- at the bus stop. We have a bus stop, you know, in my neighborhood, and I was standing on uh, on the edge of the lawn of of you know one of the people that live you know the people that lived in this house, and they called me out on it. instead of coming out and saying something to me, they called the principal. Stop sta- Stop being on their lawn. What a terrible way to go about it. Can we all communicate, please? And stop texting. Pick up the phone and call. I'm sick of texting. Call. Anything else call that you're about you to rant about? Call me if you want to talk to me. Don't text. I'd like to hear your voice. Well, maybe we don't want to hear yours. Yeah. and Maybe you don't pick up on time. <laughs> <laughs> I miss some of the calls. But, I, you know, I miss. Te- why is it? How do you miss text messages? Like, sometimes I'll go back at the end of the day. And I'm like, oh, my God. Three people text me. I didn't even see it. How is that? Uh, you may have your volume off. Yeah, it doesn't buzz or anything. Yeah. But it, the right. volume's up for the phone. But anyway, so, so people can call me. I'll pick so people yeah. call Glenn if you need to talk to him. Yes. All right. So, you. guys, New England moves through. They are into the Eastern Conference Finals. Their opponent, Columbus Crew. 2 nothing win over Nashville. It took stoppage time goals. Santos and Zar- uh, Jazzy's artists. Uh, this was... Uh, you know, a game where both teams had a couple opportunities. There weren't a ton of scoring chances. You knew coming in that Nashville was going to come in and lock things down defensively. Roberto, they did that for the most part, but then just a couple sequences, Columbus in stoppage time was able to unlock the defense and they get the win at home, moving on to take on now New England in the Eastern Conference final. Yeah, they, they did. I mean, Nashville is known as a pretty solid team, but uh, they, they might have been showing some legs there towards the end. And uh, I, I don't want to discredit them as much as I want to credit Columbus for the way that that goal was scored because Pedro Santos and uh, Yassi Sardis really got themselves together and had a great combination and it was a great finish for that goal and uh, it was well put together and very much deserved uh, for it for a game that didn't have a lot of opportunities when they created that one they made it count and it was a really pretty goal. And then give Zardis credit for this, for the the second goal that they that that they wound up scoring as well. So uh, you know he's a handful, Zardis. He really is. He's uh, been ever since he's been moved to the nine. He's played much better than being played on the wing, which is where he was in L.A. And gave uh, Greg Berhalter credit for saying when he brought him over to Columbus, is like you're in front of goal. This is where you're playing. Don't ever worry about the sides. You're here. 
this is your this is your position. And he's played him there. And Caleb Porter, give him credit as well, because he hasn't moved him around. Because, I mean, when he was in L.A., he was playing the right wing. He was playing uh, defense uh, right back. I mean, they had they played him everywhere except in front of goal where. He seems to be the most effective. And I know that he gets a lot of criticism and some of it has been deserved about missing opportunities when he's had them. But at the same time, he's put in a lot more than many people ever expected him to put in. And uh, that's why he is still being talked about and in position to be a very strong contributor for the U.S. national team. Let's get a little bit more specific on that goal. And it it was... I don't know how you described it as pretty or nice, but let, let's get into the specifics of it because it was a tremendous goal. The, the ball's played to Zardis. He flick heads the ball and then spins and then just takes off as the ball is played to Zellerion underneath. And then that ball that Zellerion played with the outside of his right boot to spin it into the path of Zardis and then Zardis, but Zardis never stopped. Flicked head, turn, went. And then Santos, he had to uh, get on his horse to get in a position to, uh, and, and he stopped just at the right time for the cutback. He was in perfect position. It was a beautiful goal, and, and Zardis played a huge role in it based on the fact he flick ha- he wins the flick, spins off of it, gets in, and that ball played by Zellerion is uh, one of the reasons that uh, he's so valuable for them. And uh, Pedro Santos was so ineffective during most of the game, uh, a big chunk of the intentions, because I, I wouldn't even say the chances, but intentions that Columbus crew had was through to Nagby and Diaz, and of course, Larian, yeah. but using that right side, not the left. And, and, you know, him giving that lead goal was just a big relief because to be honest, I mean, up to that, it was really painful to watch that game. Yes, it, was. it was painful yeah. to watch it. And Zellerion was, he was very limited to that point too. Yeah, totally. He really wasn't on the ball a lot. And yeah, no. Totally. And I mean, I saw during the season uh, a Nashville team that uh, grew up, right, through their system. We started seeing this team that was, you know, two lines, five and four or four and five trying to defend all the way sitting back. And then through the season, they move out, they develop more uh, connections through their midfield. Mukhtar played really well for games, Leal, Newell. And, and I was expecting a little bit more of them and on this game against Columbus. I mean, this is an opposition that likes, Columbus likes to play, right? They have the ball, they like the position, and they like to play. And I think that Nashville had uh, the run of play during the previous games to come and go punch by punch with Columbus. And they decided to sit back and it, and it almost paid off because the, the best two chances on the first half were for Nashville. Right. Right. But it was yeah, really painful to watch because the Columbus crew did not move the ball quick enough, fast enough to open up those spaces. And Nashville while all you know, sitting down two bosses, that's what I call it. They parked two buses, and, and and it was painful to watch. But, yes, after that goal, then, of course, I mean, they had to be open because they need to go chase the game. And, and the second goal, the pass was so long that at the beginning, if you 
react not to the whole play, but to Sardes' movement, you can say, oh, he's offside. But then you realize that it was so such a long ball, so across the cross was to well much distance that he just won on speed, period. And the thing was is that it's it's Zardes who plays the ball out of the box first. He gets it to Salarayan, gets it to uh, gets it to Rios on the right side, or rather Diaz, and then Diaz with a perfect through ball. And so Zardes is really making like an eighty yard sprint in the hundred and second minute, one hundred and third minute of the game. I, that, that is just absolutely fantastic. So uh, I mean, credit to to Yassi for just. Obviously, two great plays to, that led to that led to goals. Yeah, he's a really good MLS forward. Yeah, that's no. It's it's <laughs> not an unfair. I, I don't think it's an unfair criticism. They have the, the job. no, because and but I think he's and he, and if he can do this consistently with the U.S. national team, that elevates his. But it's hard. It's not easy to be able to do that because that that half a step difference that that's a level between MLS and a national team, like the even the U.S. is 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 a big difference. That's why somebody like Taylor Twellman could thrive in MLS and then struggle mightily with the U.S. national team. Well, yeah, yeah, because he wasn't a good U.S. national team player. He was a great MLS player, but every time he came up to the U.S. national team, it was like, oh, half a step slow, half a step slow, and he never was able to to really blossom into an important player for the U.S. national team. Well, but Zardes really has only emerged in the last two years. He's been in the league for a while. He's been impactful at times, sporadically, but as far as consistently impactful, it's really only been the last two seasons, and 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 working under um, Caleb Porter. You know, that's, that's oh, what's really, really, really very impactful with uh, Greg Berhalter as well. It's not just the last two seasons. It's ever since he moved to Columbus. That's three. Se- so three it's three seasons. years? Okay. All right, yeah. I'll give him three. But still, it's the same thing. It's a team that plays for him. Yeah. It's a team that plays for that center forward. That's the I think, I think the best part of that game was listening to Gary Smith yell the entire time. Really? I mean, he was that was awesome. I don't know what Dave Romney was doing late in that game, but God, he got called out a lot. Well, <laughs> it was pretty is, amazing. Uh, this is where ESPN blows uh, FS1 out of the water, man, with their coverage. It's see, uh, but I prefer I prefer the noise. It's just that that's just uh, personal preference. But again, if F- if you have FS1, you can go on the FS1 app. I have to go through this again. Yes, if I'm sitting in my living room, I turn the TV on. I want to watch That's the it. TV. I don't want to go through all the machinations of of the sound here and the sound there. Just do it the right way. But they're doing it the right way. That's no, fine. Not. All yes, right. Let's, let's not 100%. argue. About this all right. Learn how, how to you... use your damn remote. No, the right Instead way. Instead of yelling at kids to get off your No, no, grass. no. The, here's the right way, Roberto. You got it? It's the reverse. Go to the freaking app to hear all the fake sounds you want. Can I listen to natural effects on the actual broadcast? Thank you. That's yeah. the way. That's the they, way. They're do doing it. it right. No, they're not. No. So. Yes. Western Conference games to be played this week. Who cares? Or, I'm no, not I'm sure how Glenn's going to even kidding. listen. He may just, just mute kidding. it. <laughs> Seattle hosting FC Dallas. Uh, that game will be tomorrow as we record this. And then Sporting KC, Roberto, against Minnesota gets moved to Thursday. It Those does. Those are your two Western Conference matchups this week. 
So here's a good thing, okay? MLS got together with Fox, and uh, Fox has a big hole in their schedule because of uh, COVID-19 in the NFL. And so the Baltimore-Pittsburgh game that was supposed to be, well, it's gotten crazy. It was supposed to be played last Thursday, and then it was postponed to Sunday, and then Monday, and then Tuesday, and now it's going to be played on Wednesday, okay? So obviously Baltimore can't play the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday. So they had already moved that game to Sunday, and now that game got moved to Monday, so there's a triple header. So uh, Fox has a huge hole on Thursday night, and they've decided with MLS, which I think is great, to take the Kansas City-Minnesota game and move it from Wednesday to Thursday. And so that game will be on Big Boy Fox. And, uh, yes, it's not going to get the ratings that NFL uh, would have gotten on that night, but uh, it's a great platform to be able to uh, show an MLS playoff game at night, midweek, and uh, looking forward to uh, being able to see it. And so now that means that there's going to be three MLS games on national free television in a week because you've got uh, the game that was played on ABC on Sunday. You've got this one on Thursday, I mean, rather on Saturday, and then you have another ABC game coming up this weekend. So, I mean, these are good platforms for ESPN, I mean, for rather for MLS, if they can get enough uh, people to watch it. Hopefully enough people will be curious enough to see what it's about. Well, those two teams have to put on a spectacle. It's their responsibility now to be so in let's the, say, but it's your, be but in the NFL coach. slot. <laughs> right. Now you're a coach. And I mean, obviously, MLS would love for that game to be a 4-3 barn burner. Right. But if you're a coach, you don't care about any of that. All you care about is winning by yeah. hook or by crook to get into the next round. And that's the only thing that you're thinking. Uh, about. I just I, I just I just heard Tony Miola say by hook or by crook. And I've just heard you say, what does it mean? Anyway, you come can. from what it means is that but what is what, it? But what? No, no. What? Is, I don't know what the origin. Where is the origin? I know what it kind of translate. What's well, the, I guess if you can either go fishing, I guess it's I, I would guess. And this is just a, a guess that you can either go fishing and get a fish or they go to the fish market and rip one off. No, I can't. That, you're a New Yorker. That's a New Yorker speaking there. Well, I'm uh, just saying I'm not. So, that, that's just a guess. OK, I don't know. I think somebody no, will look it up. So it's not going to impact a coach. How Tom, how they uh, how they go about their business? It would, it would just be, and you know, it has a chance to be. Uh, are Vermees and Adrian Heath are they on good say, terms? Could we could have we, a little uh, little uh, we, confrontation? Can we rely on Heath to kind of you know oh. lose his mind at some point? No, <laughs> that would be good. That's my that's my biggest issue with that game. I mean, everything that Roberto said, and it's it's Minnesota playing. <laughs> Minnesota <laughs> Minnesota has so much talent that is my. Yeah. You know, my, uh, I just I can't take it. They have so much talent on that. And they're reined in. They, they will just, you know, they, they are able to play so much great football. And they're just a regular team that cares to win whatever it takes. It's insane. Well, the fun thing would have been if it had been Columbus and New England, because if you remember the playoffs when Bruce Arena was at the L.A. Galaxy and uh, Caleb Porter was at Portland and they scored some goal or whatever, and Caleb Porter was celebrating and looking back at Bruce and uh, like in your face, disgrace, and Bruce just turns around and, well, and, and last, waves him off. Right, and the last time that New England went to an MLS Cup final was against Arena's L.A. Galaxy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. 
That's so, how about Arena? It's interesting. It's very interesting. I'm and such he, an he, Arena fan. He's because he's getting older. He's going to be what? He's 69. Yeah, oldest. Did they say oldest MLS coach in history? Is that right? I thought I've heard that somewhere in the last couple of days. I don't know if that's right or wrong. But anyway, don't know. He may be. Yeah. He may be. All, All right. right. And then Let's they have Gustavo. Right. Sorry, oh, go Tom, ahead. but I just yeah. wanted to, I wanted to point it out. I mean, they have Gustavo Bo, and and of course. Gustavo is Argentinian. New England never loses a game when Gustavo Bowes scores since Gustavo is on the team, not only this season, but really? last season too. Yep. So they There's never a, lose a, a game that, when Gustavo nice scores. And of course, Gustavo's house now is Foxborough, right? Yes. Which was the last place in which Diego Maradona played on a World Cup. Didn't he? That was actually also, I believe, you wow. correct me if I'm wrong, if yes, the, that might have been the last place where he scored a goal, too, for the, for the, for the national team. Of course. I believe that that was uh, yeah, if the he, case. If that was the last stadium where he played and he scored that day. Well, oh, was it, did, did he score in his last game that he ever played? Because then he was kicked out of the World Cup because he was... Uh, he, failed, he failed his anti... Yeah, with a substance that today is not considered illegal, illegal substances. So yeah, take that. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, one of the things. So now that we're talking about New England and Columbus a little bit, well, let's just go there and and talk about what's happened with New England. And part of it is that they've gotten really healthy, and uh, now you're seeing Carlos Hill and you're seeing Gustavo Bo get together, and the damage that they can do. And it's a different New England team. I mean, there is something to be said about being healthy when the guys you've been missing are some of your most talented players. And now they get back and not only they're healthy, but they're fresh because they haven't played all season. And so now uh, it's a different level of fitness, different level of everything. And then you've got somebody like Bruce managing them and uh, things are working out okay for New England. Yeah, I mean, Gustavo, he means... I think four or five out of the last eight games of the regular season because he was injured. I mean, recovering for an injury. And in Carlos Hill, he was injured half of the season. So basically, two, the last two games of the regular season was the only chance in which they play with their three key guys, Buxa, Bo, and Hill. And look at, look at what they did. I mean, they closed the regular season and they went to the playing game. They won and they won this one very, I mean, for me, yes, it was kind of tired at some point, but it, what they, they did not suffer this game, to be honest. And then he'll uh, just look at, he played six games this year. Yep. Six, six games. Yeah. I mean, that's, no, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're and, just, and they're it, a different team when he's on the field. It's oh, year totally. Year. And, the and they convert. Yeah. Yeah, and they converted Buchanan. Yeah, how about that? To to a winger, basically. Another fullback or yeah. wingback or wingback, whatever wingback. you want to call him. Yeah. yeah, but he's playing all the way in attack, so he's playing like a like a winger, basically. And he's very, very, very impactful. I mean, yesterday, you know, the the first two goals were on him. I mean, he, yeah. he went all the way to create a penalty and then the assist for the second. 
And they're playing all their games on the road because they classified, you know, pretty much last. So they're yep. playing everything on the road. They have no shot at, at hosting anything. So they're just going to be road warriors um, for, for the rest of the uh, for, for the rest of the playoffs. And yep. then also we can't forget Matt Turner. OK, because Matt Turner for the past two years has been about as good as any goalie in MLS. And a lot of the success that this team has is because there have been times when Matt Turner has stood on his head and kept New England in games. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and, and, and if you add to that, the, there's really a little inconsistency there between Kessler and Farrell in front of him. It's even, you know, it's even bigger, the job that he's taking lately with the team. So uh, I think I think you gotta yes I mean you gotta applaud what he's doing, and and, and one one last point referring to Buchanan I mean that is all on Bruce Arena I mean that's he, I was waiting for someone to say that yes yeah I mean, when that, he, look what when, Arena's done but I mean c continue on the Buchanan thing but look what he's done since he arrived I mean it was in bad shape when Brad Friedel was fired oh totally totally I mean. And that was at the beginning of last year. And yes. look how quickly he's turned that around. But also, they've given him a chance to spend some money, too. I mean, not, you know, well, not they already had, galaxy money. But, but the uh, big one is Gustavo. They already had heel. Yeah, they yeah. had heel. And remember, he got Bo because of a previous relationship with it when exactly. he was in the galaxy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So. And do you remember who they had there at Buchanan's, at Buchanan's uh, spot? Because Buchanan... DeWan... DeWan uh, Jones? No. No, I'm trying to think. Uh I, I'm drawing a blank. Go. Roberto Castillo, the homie. Oh, yeah. He Edgar just got Castillo. released by Atlanta. Edgar Castillo. Edgar Castillo, who they brought in from Colorado Rapids. Well, actually, Edgar was playing the left side, not the right side. Edgar's the left-sided player all the way. Buchanan's on the right. I know, but they had the three of them fighting for those spots. Yeah. Jo Jones, Buchanan, and Castillo. Yeah. So... Anyway, so who do you got for so who do are we gonna pick games here or what do we have? Oh New England's gonna gonna we can do Columbus. that. I would say New England over Columbus. There's a well Columbus and it's played. not destiny, it's just personnel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and but you know, there's there's something there right now. It's kind of okay. tricky, right, Glenn? I mean, because for me, uh, like predicting the the way this game is gonna go, you have a Bruce Arena that he can basically can replicate Nashville's uh, strategy, right? Mm -hmm. Just part the bus and finish it with, you know, Buxa or Bow or Hill, right? But, yeah, but, that, the, but on the other hand, you have two, a Bruce Arena who understand the league and who knows that he has the talent and the club to go and, and the momentum to go and fight it toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Yeah, and the well, road thing is not. What time is that match? Right now, we know go this way. What time is that match being played? Do we know yet? Which one? Columbus. Well, uh, three o'clock on December sixth. Three o'clock. Yeah, it's going to be on ABC. Oh, and well, ESPN, I'm, only, I'm just saying that because na they will now be permitted to travel the day before the match, before. and that means a lot. The the road, you know, being on the road is, you know, and you, I, I don't know the exact stats, but it's far less significant. Uh, which makes sense than it has been in the past. And uh, I don't, there's no park of the bus with arena unless he's not going to start Tejon Buchanan at right back. <laughs> Cause that, you know, that, 
that young man does will not know how to do that. You won't be so Glenn to- has New England. <laughs> Roberto and John, who do you have? Yeah, I will say New England. It's not that clear cut for me. It's not that I mean, clear, yeah. Uh, and, and the reason being is that Columbus was able to survive the last game, you know, even though playing Nashville at home. I mean, they had a lot of guys who were out. I mean, important players, obviously not the key ones such, such as Nagli, Salarayan, and, and Zardis, mind you. But uh, they, they, they've been hit pretty hard with COVID. So yeah. uh, they're going to get those guys back, and it's going to be a different I, – I, I think it's going to be a lot harder. I, I sort of feel that it's going to be hard to beat uh, Columbus at home with a full team. So I'm, I'll be uh, the naysayer here and uh, pick Columbus but if you guys have seen my history this year of picking MLS games uh, Bruce Arena just lit up a cigar yeah so <laughs> I'll take New England just because Roberto's pick all right exactly. yeah. here, here never, is a smart man and I never said it's going to be easy I mean I think you know I it's it's got it sounded like sounded that way uh, hey real quick, who you, uh, real quick I think I heard you that we're going to kill him no I, real quick uh, who do you guys <laughs> have in the Western Conference games start with Seattle or Dallas Glenn who do you got well I mean, it it would be very difficult if there were any money involved here. I'd go with Seattle, and if there's no money involved, I still pick Seattle. It has to be Seattle. I mean, if it is not Seattle out of Dallas, you know they're throwing their season out of the window. Period. It would be a major upset. But I've got to say something, okay? If you see the way Dallas plays, especially with all these kids, these kids are freaking fearless. It's sort of like we have nothing to lose. This is Vegas, and somebody just handed us house money. Let's go better and see what the hell happens. And that's the way they're playing. And if you remember the last time Dallas played at Seattle in a playoff game, I don't know if it was two years ago, it was like it was fantastic. It was a great game going back and forth. Goals galore. I mean, it was one of the best games in MLS playoffs. Okay. I'm sort of, I don't know if it's between expecting or hoping that we're going to get something like that. But uh, at the end of the day, I think Dallas is going to give them a run for their money. But I still think Seattle is going to find a way to win. But I I think Dallas is just going to go for it and, and have a blast. And we'll see what happens. So a Seattle sweep and then Sporting KC and Minnesota. Glenn, who do you like in that one? Polito's back, right? Yes, he is. Yes. Okay. Sporting KC. Roberto? I'll go with the same reasoning. Although I don't know if he's 90 minutes fit, but uh, I'll go with the same reasoning. Plus, I I, I just like Kansas City better. I know that John explained why how you have a team that is as talented as Minnesota, and yet they play pedestrian. So uh, they don't get the most out of their players. So I, I will go with uh, Peter Vermees uh, as the winner. Jersey boy. Yeah, that's, the, that's another one of those that you cannot, you know, say clear-cut winner right now. But especially because even though i said it many times, I don't like the way Minnesota, you know, uh, utilizes their, their talent – they are good having results. I mean, they're there for a reason. So, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the favorite has to be uh, supporting Kansas City. All right. I will take Minnesota just to be different than the three of you guys. All right. Those are our picks. Let's turn our attention, fellas, back to New York City FC. As we know, around MLS, player options are being picked up or declined. Teams starting to release that information. This is being recorded on Monday night. We haven't seen the results for New York City. Uh, we have no insider information. 
We are just going to play tried. GM. We, <laughs> we tried. tried. We're just going <laughs> to play GM. I won't let anything go. Go down the list, and I'm going to ask uh, our panelists. We, we know Joe Scally's gone, so they're, 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 yes. Yes, they're done. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I'm going to ask Roberto Glenn and John. We're just going to go down the roster. Stay All or right. go. All right. So this is uh, the first team we're looking at here, obviously. And, guys, we start with the goalkeeper, Sean Johnson. Stay or go. Just shout it out. Stay. Uh, oh, stays. Carry on. We don't okay. need to discuss Sean. All right. Uh, Anton Tinnerholm. Stay. Oh, you're not going to stay with the kid. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, oh you're, wait, go you're not way. doing it by. Oh, he's Let's doing go it position. by first team. Let's go okay, we positions. Can, all right. Can you do that? So Sean Johnson. We're all, everyone's we're, we are yeah, in agreement. Yeah, Brad Stuver. Well, I, I mean, what? Yeah, well, you need he three has some keepers. sort of an offer to yeah. go someplace and be a, a um, no, he won't. first teamer. Then there's no better position than, than than to be here. So now it's just a matter of if New York City wants him. I mean, he's on the books for two hundred and twenty thousand a, ga- a season. So uh, I mean, it's an expensive backup when you have uh, Luis Barraza sitting back there, who's supposed to be very talented. So if you're looking to save money or to put money someplace else, this because this isn't as easy as a, a decision as one might think. But I still think he stays. Yeah, I think he stays. And there's one little thing there. As per transfer market, his contract runs out of the this year. So December 31st, 2020 will be his last day under contract. So that may be, you know, maybe some information to have there, but I think well, he will stay. Yeah, Luis Barraza, by the way, same thing. Now uh, that we get to yes. him. Well, yes. I think yeah. what you have to talk about both of them at the same time almost. Barraza is the young... Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, Rob, the keeper coach, uh, really thinks he's a high level and has uh, a huge upside, but you know, he doesn't get any games. So how can we know that, uh, goalkeepers, as we all know, if they're not playing matches, they are, they're not, they're not getting better. Uh, they're not getting the experience necessary. Will MLS come up with a reserve league? Will New York city have a second team, uh, during the time Luis Barraza, you know, is uh, is a member of the first team. Um, so when you combine what you said about salary uh, and and the fact that you know is Barraza would, would is he considered the better keeper of the two? The is like would he be considered the true number two? But Stuver because he's got some experience falls into that role. Uh, you know, we I you know most I think we've all met Brad along the way. What a great citizen he is! I mean, he does so much for the community. Uh, he's the he's the guy. He's the player rep uh, for for the union for for the, for the squad. So there, there's a lot of things that Brad does off the field that that does impact the uh, the club favorably. So you know, great guy. Uh, but I think you know if if you're gonna, I think you keep three of them and you got a great keeper core. I really do. But you got it. Barraza's got to get some games, and this yeah. he's got to he has to get some games this year. They're going to loan him out. What are they going to do? All right, that's it. I'm, There's I'm one thing it. I've got to add, you know, and and that heightens the sense of urgency with this. Barraza isn't 18 or 19; he's 24. So yes, he's got to get games. He's got to start playing somewhere somehow. They put him out on loan and whatever they got to do, but they got to get some games for him. For, yeah, but he, it's, not a like a, it's not like a field player, though, Roberto. I, I don't agree very much with the 24-year-old thing. It's it's not like he's going to, you know, at 28 or 29, he's peaking. You know, keep, you know, keepers peak 30, 31, 32. 
uh, and they generally can play longer because they're not running seven miles a game <laughs> and getting the crap kicked out of them. Um, so I, I, I think I think that's I don't think the age is as much of a factor. I really don't because there's still plenty of time, and we've seen keepers. I mean, how old is Matt Turner? Twenty five, six, you know, and finally got his chance to be a regular with New England, and look what he's done. So you know, I think Barraza just needs his chance, but he needs games. Is there any situation where you guys? Well, this is a separate question, but where you see him becoming like the, the legit number two on the team over Stuver, or does he just need to go play somewhere else for right now? Well, at some point, at some point, I saw him like the number two. But remember that this year during this season, we saw them both on the bench, right on the bench roster, right? Many games, so it, it doesn't let you. Read yeah. from the outside. Yeah, true. The position of the of, of the coaching and stuff. Yeah, but when when they did have the full complement of players and they only had two keepers available, Stuver was Stuver was a guy, mm-hmm. and Barraza got a chance to back up a lot this year because Stuver was uh, he opted out of MLS's back, right? And then he had to get back into shape. So there, that also, I think, the first couple of games, uh, once they were back in MLS, it was a. That uh, Barraza was um, first choice behind Sean. Okay, so it sounds like we're keeping all three goalkeepers. All right, let's go to defense. Anton Tinnerholm. Next. Stays. Chanel. That's it, easy. Stays. Stays. Next. Collins. Next. He has a contract supposedly until December 31st next yeah. year. Yeah, oh. I think Chanel and he <laughs> both have. Those kind of kind. Well, they just resigned them last year, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Collins and Sean Johnson. There was there was a third there in there. Was well, it? So, uh, uh, huh? It was. Yeah. No. No. You're right. Uh, there is. There were three. There. And okay. I wonder if Collins. it was Tuna Home or was it Ring? It was no, I one, think, one of uh, Ring. I think ring. I think it was Ring. I think Chano's got a, got a multi year too, though. I, he does. Yeah. I yeah, I believe it. so. All right. I think I know the answer to this next one from John Rojas. Goody. Yeah, he he's not gone yet. <laughs> well, he I mean, yeah, he could be in Iceland. He could. Be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he could be back in Iceland. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, I'm not going to argue with uh, you know, you brought Goody in. I I don't I I just don't see where I don't think he's as versatile as what was once considered. You know, he could play in the midfield. He could play at the back. He could play a wing. I, I just uh, maybe we didn't see enough of him to see you know those multiple qualities, but. I don't as agree John, with that. As John has said, uh, what what did he add? And he can play as a to... 10. <laughs> 10 meters behind goal. I disagree. I think we did see enough to to understand what his qualities are. And I mean, I just don't think that they're good enough for this team. I don't, it's not that you don't trust him, but at the same time, uh, when he comes into the game, he's not elevating anything. He's not better than Matarita. He's not better than anybody else that they've got in midfield. He's okay. It, 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 his best is like, okay. There was nothing special about uh, what he could bring or what he could do. Uh, serviceable veteran in a, you know, that you might need, but uh, it just doesn't seem to to make much sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't see he's him probably as make, a, he's probably by the way, it. he's making eight hundred and eighty thousand dollars. So That's, absolutely I was just, not. That was going to be my thing. He must be making some good scratch. That's what he's making. Yes. Too right, much well, time on that, Tom, please. All right. Oh. Next. Next. 
Ronald Matarita. Yes. Yeah, he stays. Yep. Sebastian Ibiaga. I think you, you know, I, you, I look at him and we're going to get to Tony Rocha eventually. And then we've got to figure out how many they can keep on the first team salary and all that. But Ibiaga is a valuable guy to have on a team. He's a valuable mm-hmm. guy. And if Chino and Collins are your guys and they are, uh, Ibiaga has proven that he's a, he, he could come in when uh, they have international duty and or rare injuries. I mean, those guys are, you know, they're durable. Yeah. I have to make a huge correction. I have to make a huge correction on Goody. Goody was, uh, that's his market value. I was looking at this wrong. That's his market value. That's not his contract. There's a huge difference. So uh, I apologize for that. We don't know what his contract is. I don't know. So we don't know what he's. No. (laughs) Oh, my. Whatever it is, it's too much. (laughs) Okay, Mr. Rojas. (laughs) Can we we hang him from the scarf? Yeah. Look at that scarf. Maradona. We're Maradona out here, but we'll get to him in a bit. I was about to go get a goody jersey just for making $880,000. That's amazing. <laughs> <For> <laughs> my now, hero. Good Lord. Uh, I, his Hire his agent. Yeah, no kidding. Can I have that guy? All right. So I think we're – am I missing any defender? Or uh, Are we all in agreement on Ibiaga? Tavon, Tavon Gray. James Sam- – well, Sam will well, leave in the midfield. We'll, but we'll leave Sam for the midfield. Tavon Gray, right. Home well, home yes, grown. he's got to stay. Absolutely. He's yeah. hurt. Yep. Yeah, we haven't seen him play. Yep. Plus, and he then, was, uh, came out of the same academy that my son played at. So, uh, and I know his dad. And yeah, he stays. Oh, no, no doubt. Oh, okay. Uh, he's a good player. He really is. You guys will get a chance to see him play. He's going to, he's good. I've seen him. Okay. Let's go to the midfield. He's good. He's young. Go ahead. Ring. Stays. Stays. Maxi. Stays. stays. PKs. <laughs> no, no more. No, no more listen. We're no leading off. <laughs> One little thing. I mean, Maxi stays, but you need to start working on his replacement. You need yes. to start managing his time, his you know game time. And uh, well, and, that's a that's a transfer market question. Yes. Uh, yeah, most likely. You're not talking about somebody that's already on the first team. No, I mean, right, you, you have, have an academy in. guy. You have an academy guy that is, they just got him, right? Um, Johnson, they just signed him, yeah. right? Andres, Johnson, yes. Right. But you, it's, it, again, it's an academy guy. So I think you need to go to the market, get someone, and at the same time, you know, mix the minutes with the, with the kid so the kid can grow on that spot. Yeah. All right. I, I wish we be... were more like Germany that way and just played the kids. Uh, he's more of the modern day 10 too, like the Andres. And, you know, that's Maxi's he's old school 10. You know, I think when the next 10 is going to be, you know, turn race at the back four, you know, all those kind of qualities that Maxi's more of the unlocker. And I, I think we're uh, the future of New York City's uh, 10 is uh, is going to be more like the modern day. You think so, John? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have to adapt. I mean, that's the. The consistency, I learned that lately. The consistency on a team is called adapting. So your consistency because you're adapting, not because you're doing the same thing every time. Good job. Right. I like that. Let's keep it going with the midfield. Juan Pablo Torres. I don't mind if he goes. <laughs> I didn't think that much. So. He must not, but he must not, in two years now with two different coaches, he, he must not be showing enough to, to get to get a run and, and, and spell some of the massive minutes that a guy like, uh, I don't know, that's this year's so odd. 
parks, but, yeah, but ring. If he, but if he doesn't play this year in with, with the congested schedule and all these other things, I just don't I don't I, I don't necessarily mind if he stays, but I would doubt he does because there's seems to be so little faith in playing him in a big but, spot. But isn't this more of I don't want to say indictment, but isn't this more on Ronnie that decided really not to use a lot of his bench? Uh, throughout this run, I mean, any time that he could go with his veteran squad, he went with his veteran squad. Uh, to the point of where is like when what we talked about this on the air and we talked about it on the podcast. You know, well, when is he going to the bench? Somebody like Acevedo, who we haven't gotten to yet. Okay, who, to, in my opinion, probably should have gotten more of a run. Yet, I mean, based on what Ronnie was saying, is that he wasn't quick enough in his thought process during practice. And that's what wound up limiting his uh, minutes. But again, practice is different from games. And if you don't give a guy a chance to shine in a game and his only starting assignment was in new England on turf, you know, on, you know, not the best of conditions, you know, it's sort of uh, not, not exactly fair either to be able to evaluate somebody like that. So that's to Glenn's point. You know, I'm not saying it wasn't. He's, just he's being, yeah. But I mean, okay. I mean, just all right. Agreeing is good enough. No, but also <laughs> I'm just saying that it's that Ronnie didn't give anybody much of a chance. That wasn't part of the starting eleven. I mean, he didn't he, he didn't use his bench a lot. He didn't give. I mean, his lineup changes a lot of times came in late, and uh, there wasn't exactly you know a lot of changes except for. You know, either Gary Makai Steven or Ismael Tajudi Shradi and Mitritza when he was here. So aside from that, mm-hmm. and Medina. And then aside from that, everybody else, it was just like locked in. So basically what you're saying is this team didn't go anywhere with this coach because they were out in the first uh, game of uh, pop season. And the development of the young guys is not there because he's not using them. I'm, what I'm saying, well, I think that that bears some responsibility. I'm not saying that that's all the blame as you're trying to cause them trouble from somewhere in the mountains of Colombia. All right, let's keep this going. Tony Rocha. Yes. Keep him. He stays, yeah. Valuable, valuable guy. Yeah. Sands. Absolutely. Yes. And put him in the back and play three at the back. Next, <laughs> until you can, uh, until you can sell him for ten million dollars to Germany. Exactly. Okay. Solid, solidify the guy and sell him. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, he can stay healthy. All right. What's yeah. the minimum? What's the minimum we'll expect? Uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll take for a, a transfer fee. What's the minimum? Seven. Seven? Oh, that's wow. Good. That's cheap. I would say ten. Yeah, minimum. That's okay. Seven. All right. All right. Here we go. Go ahead, Tom. Okay, Medina. Yep. Well, he's yep. no longer a DP, so right. he improved. He should stay. I mean, he got better. He was a much better player this year than he was in the last two. I mean, I thought it was night and day. I liked his effort a lot, especially. I mean, he's still there's a long way to go to become the player who we thought he'd be, but he he also is trending upwards. He responded to his new coach. So if yeah, Ronnie Dial is the coach, Medina's okay. Give him yeah. a credit. Give, give Medina and Dyla credit for that. Oh, Dyla gets credit now from you. Of course he does. <laughs> you know, it's not just one or the other. That things are <laughs> subtle for crying out loud. Gideon Zalalem. <laughs> Roberto, well, that's your gift <laughs> of the season. 
There I want to see him play. Oh my goodness! Nah, jeez. Nah. I, I want to see him play. Yeah, he no, you one game. Send him to Arsenal, but but in Sarandí, Argentina. <laughs> uh, I want to see him play, so let him stay. Yeah, just take it to your uh, uh, neighbor team. What to the Red Bulls? <laughs> no, no, or the, the 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 team on your neighborhood. Oh, oh, jeez, Jesus, boy, <laughs> stop it! You're not yeah, being English. nice. Acevedo. I told you. I to, wait. Hold on, Tom. Just yeah. little thing here. I told you when the guy came in, and he yeah. kept being the same one, one or two games in the last three or four years. Stop it. We don't need that. That's it. Good enough. Thank you. I uh, I just went by. Yeah, Maddie Lawrence spent a lot of time doing Sporting KC games, and he was just appalled watching him play soccer. He just <laughs> said, you know, he looked uninterested. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what the incentive was to bring this guy in, but um, I feel bad for him. I mean, he's been injury riddled and, you know, now, you know, another, you know, this, it, the, the knee injury was mysterious. He's out to, you know, he was going to be back in a couple of weeks and, uh, you know, he's looking, you know, better. And then boom, next thing you know, he's done. Yeah. So not next thing, you know, they, they, uh, that was strung along for a while. So months. Uh, he's months. Out. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Acevedo. I'll keep the guy. Absolutely, keep it. It wasn't a very strong endorsement. (laughs) Uh, I I liked, I I liked, I like what I saw when I when I saw him play, and I think he really needs a a chance. He's got a logjam there because he's got obviously Ring and uh, Parks and and Sands in front of him, but uh, you know, good competition for preseason next year. Nope, Sands at the back of the three back system, so he'll (laughs) again. You keep on going back to that. We'll see. Well, I'm. I'm just. I'm going to just keep repeating a, it every week. Yeah, but you know, but, but the coach doesn't want to do it. I, well, I'm because I'm, he lost. He tried it twice. Lost it. Said screw that. I've already written the email. Congratulations on your first year. A uh, rough one and uh, three of the. Here's best. what you need to do. Here's the formation <laughs> change we're going to go with. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Do, if you want to do better, here are some yeah. <laughs> I just. I just. Coach Crooks. Tinner home and Matarita as wingbacks. They would. They're the. They are such perfect fits for for that shape and system. I agree. I am okay. just because we saw what happened. And then Sands is better at the back. Them. And Sands we, is better at the back. We saw how effective Dome was well, able to play with that formation. Yeah, that that was. It was too. his favorite formation. The team played great with it. Okay. Isla wasn't able to to be as effective. Well, that's with it. well. He didn't. You know, he's got. You know, and I look. We're not in the back room watching everything and talking about all this, although I'd love to be, but yeah, so same here. I'd like to be fly on the wall. All right, Tom. Let's who's Keen up? Parks. Good. Good. Yeah, Everybody go Keen. Love yeah. the guy. Keen. Okay. And I'm telling well, you right now, and I don't know why I, I feel like I'm the only one that sees this. If 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 they don't get a ten in and they're not grooming one out of their academy or whatever. I, 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 and then now you've got room for an Acevedo. Uh, put Parks as the 10. I like Parks as the 10. We talked about this. What do you mean you're the only one? We've talked about this. I'm the one who brought it up, and I'm the I, well, I don't want to take credit for it. Yeah, I, I but, credit. But, but you are. <laughs> you're lobbying for credit. Well, I was, this is, oh, Jesus. This I is think you did bring it up first. I am the first here. I have the first one to publicly uh, uh, put it out there. <laughs> yeah. At least on this podcast. <laughs> Maybe some of our rival podcasts with podcasts within the club, uh, you know, have uh, talked about Parks at the ten. But uh, I just—he's yeah, yeah. got skill. He's got—he's he, got. He's got yes. 
He's he got play. quick feet. He's got very, very quick feet. Well, He's very final, good on the ball. And I think he could develop a good final pass. But, you know, yeah. and he could shoot, although, you know, Let's not get that crazy. hasn't gone so well either. Let's but. not get crazy. No. All right. Well, speaking career. of shooters, let's move up top. Eber. Yes. Yeah, it stays. Okay. Yes. Castellanos. Yes. Yeah. And then get another your, one that another one get that a big to the coach. That's true. Gary Mackay Steven. See ya. I could do without him. <laughs> okay. the, the worst part of it is that he's one of the coach favorites. Yeah, it's very he true. Is. I mean, it, again, and it's not, the, not nothing personal, obviously. What, what it comes down to is effectiveness. And he didn't really show much as far as being an effective player. You have to and, it, and, and, and it's not prejudice against the way he plays or anything. It just just doesn't show up on the field. And it, you know, here's a guy who's supposed to be able to do a multitude of things. I was actually excited to see him when he played his first game at uh, a Yankee Stadium. He did more to create excitement it's great in that in those 20 minutes that he got as a run than he, he's done since. And yes, finally, at the end of the regular season, he was able to get two goals in two games. And that means that in a year and a half that he's been here, he's got three total goals, which Hold is... Hold on, let me check your math. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, we've got defenders. <laughs> we've got defenders who have more goals than that. So um, I, I think that the ratio to what you expected, to what you probably paid for him, because I'm sure he didn't come cheaply, and what you got... Uh, I think that you can do probably better. And we, Mert, does he also make an eight hundred eighty thousand dollars? I, I, I don't. Again, I don't know. That was just a. Uh, I have no idea what he makes. Well, right. remember he was acquired before Ronnie Dyler arrived, but he did work with Dyler at at Celtic. Okay. I, here's the way: Gary McKay Stephen as a starter doesn't um, generally doesn't impact the game. He's not the kind of guy that you bring off the bench if if the game is level or you're down a goal to provide that Ishmael Tajuri, Shradi type spark or uh, or Alexandru Matriza type spark. So um, if if you look at it that way, and this is about this is the whole package. We've seen him enough. We've seen a lot of Gary Mackay Steven, uh, even more so under Ronnie, and um, we just I don't think we've seen enough. So I. Um, uh, I, I'm with you on that. You know, I hold on a second. I have found. I literally now I have found salaries <laughs> for two for this year. For yeah, I found salaries. Okay, they here never, we go. Did the MLS? Uh, did the MLSPA publish? No, uh, no, no, no. No, it's the, not MLSPA. It is. I will tell you whom. No, it MLSPA is. They uh, will not do sports, it. Sports EKZ, oh. EKZ and it was right. done eight months ago. I'm not interested on it. All right, but let me just tell you what we got. So Goody. <laughs> <laughs> Your boy Goody, three hundred and five, five hundred. I don't care. He can he can make seventy, and he's leaving. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, who else did we need to know? Uh, Mitritsa was making five hundred. Medina seven fifty. Gary Mackay Steven, two seventy four eight. Hmm. All right, all right. Which is basically the same salary that Valentin Castellanos is making. All right, Mitritsa, are we bringing him back from Saudi? No, well, he's got another no. year to go. Yeah. The mm -hmm. loan doesn't end till uh, the end of next 2021. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, so it, much for that, I guess. You know, well, I, I mean, back. the loan ends. You could bring right. him back. Shradi. Keep him. 
Yeah, I, I will give him. I think that is a really interesting guy. I think he impacts when he's healthy, impacts the team a lot. Yeah. Uh, I think he's a really good worker. Like he's, he's, you know, work ethic is really good. The thing that I cons- I'm concerned about is that, uh, you know, the coach looks like he prefers Makai Stevens yeah. over, over Tajuri. But that could has to be with, um, you know, uh, physical issues this year i mean uh sure. injury and last and, two years right that's the right. one thing about uh to jerry Schrade's but when healthy yeah that is one of the most interesting guys that we can have he is so interesting we're, we're pretty much keeping everybody did we miss anybody no no well, no but i mean no, last no. year we pretty much did too i mean no, they no. didn't make a lot of changes from last year to this year you know barely any so um, I, I don't expect many wholesale changes. Uh, I would be surprised if they're dropping more than three players, uh, three or four players tomorrow. I'd be shocked if they did. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be pretty much more of the same. And yet, depending on who they do drop and how much salary they have, you know, they're going to they, they have certain spaces that they that is they it gotta, a lot that we're going to be fill. spending DP money. No, because the team isn't going to do that until they get a stadium, sadly. I mean, I really wish that they would get like a marquee name that would sell tickets because next year you hope that you're going to be able to finally sell tickets again. And that is going to create a buzz and create interest within the city. So, I mean, I would love to be able to, to see. I mean, I saw Cavani score a goal yesterday for Man United, and I'm just like Ooh. beside myself thinking that that guy could have been here on a free. And, uh, you know, I know his salary is high, but, you know, it, I would have to think that if that opportunity came up, that they could have gone after him and maybe he would have thought it was a great it was a great deal. But uh, I would have loved to have seen him uh, here in, in New York City. Uh, we get a chance only us to see John Rojas. Shaking his head during Roberto's. Hey, he's always doing that. I think it's a tick. Every time no, I no. start talking, his head starts moving side to side like he's a bobblehead doll. Are you kidding me? Doesn't Not end. Not always, but it doesn't end. <laughs> <laughs> so right, what's well. your issue with oh now that he's been nodding his head, not nodding, actually, shaking, shaking yeah. his head shaking. throughout my entire Cavani uh, talk. Why uh, are we against it? You need two to tango. He didn't want to. He didn't want to leave Europe. So period. That's it. End of conversation. He doesn't want to go anywhere but Europe right now. Period. Okay. He stays in Europe. Well, we will certainly keep an eye uh, when New York City does release their latest moves, and obviously we'll talk about it on the next podcast. Uh, Which a week is going to be now. in a week, I mean, because they're mm-hmm. releasing everything tomorrow. A lot of teams... Well, we don't know that yet. Well, we don't know that. We don't know that yet. We don't know they when could. they're releasing it. The clubs are at their liberty to release it at their own accord. So just so you exactly. know. That. Oh, great. Even though today the was deadline was with today. the league. Was yeah, they told the league today what they were doing. They haven't told yes. us. Remember, no, we may or may not know by the next podcast. We'll see. Hopefully. Yeah. All right, let's keep the train going. Roberto, coming to you. Oh. U.S. national team. Uh, players, 22-player roster announced for the upcoming match December 9th, El Salvador. Yes. Why don't you take us through the roster, as you usually do when we talk about the U.S. national team? A lot of MLS names on this list. It's everybody MLS except for one player who's uh, goalkeeper, C.J. Dos Santos, who plays for Benfica, if, if he plays. 
he would be making his debut. The other goalies are Bill Hamid and David Ochoa from uh, Real Salt Lake. So the only one with experience is Hamid, who's played seven games for the U.S. national team. Thoughts? Uh, I'm happy to see Hamid back in, you know, and I know he's, uh, I don't know if he fell out of favor. I don't know uh, what, uh, if there was anything uh, Burr-Halter held against him from uh, some of Hamid's comments or thing. I, I, I don't think, I don't see Burr-Halter as a kind of guy that holds a grudge like that. So uh, I, Hamid's, I think he's a tremendous keeper. So I'm happy to see him in. Uh, so uh, am I. I don't know if it's more that he held a grudge, but you, based on the statements that he made, it, it, you know, it may not have played very well in the locker room because, you know, as a teammate, it doesn't matter how, how much ego you have to basically say, hey, I'm better than everybody else here, which is pretty much what he, well, more than inferred, then, um, you know, that, that, that won't sit well with everybody else. Now, why isn't Sean Johnson here? And uh, the same thing could be said for either Keaton Parks or James Sands. Uh, New York City is involved in the uh, CONCACAF Champions League, and that comes up pretty much around the same time. So uh, that might, maybe not, but that might have had something to do with Sean Johnson not being called up and Hamid being called up. Or either Araujo, or rather not Araujo, uh, CJ Dos Santos or uh, David Ochoa. Well, one thing about Los Santos, the, uh, the uh, goalkeeper, he is with Benfica B, yes. which is mm. the second division, and he's okay. not playing. And right. he's not playing there? Nope. No. Wow. So where, what, where, what's his... He's 20. He's 20. Oh. All right. Well, we'll, we'll look him... I don't know anything about Los Santos, and Ochoa, I have... I haven't seen him play very much personally. So No, neither Yeah, he played, he played five he played games with the 17th. And one with a U twenty, hmm. but uh, but with Benfica B, he's not playing. No, but what about Ochoa? Didn't Ochoa play some games for Real Salt Lake this year? Didn't uh, he get a run? Yes, well, I, I think look so. it up quickly, but I think so too. I know. I, got, I, I think he got a yeah, run. Had, I can't remember if he was on the bench or played. So okay, so let's go through the defense here, okay? While you, while Glenn looks this up, uh, there, there's. There's two players in general that, you know, caused a little bit of a buzz. And one of them is on defense, and that's Julian Araujo, who has played for the national team for the U.S., for the U.S. under U-20, U-17s, etc. But um, Mexico has been really in his ear talking to him about switching and playing for Mexico. So he got called up, and he's accepted to be in this camp. The rest of the defense is Kyle Duncan. Nothing. Well, uh, th there's a meaning. Of, I mean, yes, he can play for either team. We know that. That's not what I'm saying. But there's a pull, you know, between both camps of wanting him to stay either in the U.S. or going to Mexico. So there's a pull for these players. <laughs> the other guys are Kyle Duncan from the Red Bulls. This first call up Marco Farfan from uh, Portland, Aaron Long from the Red Bulls, who's a veteran back there. Mark McKenzie has played one time for the U.S. team um, from the Philadelphia Union. Uh, Mauricio Pineda from the Chicago Fire. Oh, Fire. Sam Vines from Colorado and Walker Zimmerman from Nashville, who uh, has uh, 12 uh, games and two goals. So your thoughts on defense? Pineda, that's an interesting. Uh, I'm glad he gets brought in. I, I liked what uh, 
what he did whenever I saw the fire, we did a couple of, uh, I don't care. We did one fire game. Is that what it was? Just one. Anyway. Um, and uh, Kyle Duncan. I, I mean, so I, Burholter's really, uh, I don't, I, I like what he's doing. I, I just, is it, is it just circumstantial that, that more guys are getting a run? Is it, is it totally circumstantial or, would a Burhalter be doing this in a in a normal cycle? Well, this is just like a January camp in February in December. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's what true. it is. But you got well, you don't know exactly when, but you've got some fairly important matches coming up pretty damn soon. I know, but you don't expect. I mean, probably you know maybe Leglet, and maybe I don't know maybe Sivirman. Yeah, out, out of this group to you know to make the group that you're going to use to face the big matches or the big tournaments. I understand but that, but okay. also you okay. want to see a lot of the young guys players. for the U23 yeah. team. You want to see a lot of the young guys because they have to put together a U23 team to qualify for the Olympics. I guess that was a lot of the discussion about this yeah. camp. So how, exactly. many of these guys, yeah. how many of these guys are Olympic eligible? Quite a few, right? Yeah. All something right. like 15 or something like that? Uh, is that what it wrote is? It. Yeah, there there was a press release. Is that what it was? Yeah, so that it was yeah. something like that. Yeah. All right. Sure. So the midfielders, Brendan Aronson, Helen Acosta, Frankie Amaya, Cole Bassett, and Sebastian. You, uh, you get, I can never pronounce his Leguette. damn name. You Leguette. Leguette. Is Leguette. it Legit? You call Legit. It's actually Legit. It's Legit. Legit. That's it. Legit. Because I keep on looking. I could say it when I'm not looking at it. The minute I look at it, it just screws me all up. It's legit. There you go. All right. So that's that. So legit in midfield uh, has the most uh, caps with 16. And uh, he just played with the U.S. national team in Europe. He was the only MLS player there. Uh, I don't so know. Is Frankie, is Frankie Amaya a future national team midfielder? I just don't think so. Well, well that's why they're taking a look at him. Yeah. I mean, well, he's. He's he's talented. Yeah, he's right? he's and talented. He's, yes, he's you know. playing and he's playing regularly with his team. He's a starter on his team. Yes, yeah. he is. And so, he doesn't have a lot of great stuff surrounding him either, which would probably make him look better if he had better players around him. So yeah, I think he was the chat. Absolutely. No, he had a breakout year this year. I mean, that you'd have to say that. And uh, no, I I like him. He's five foot four. I love the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you can see him eye to eye. That's Glenn, right. <laughs> Glenn bases his decisions on yeah, players all, on, all by height all or decisions. if they're from New Jersey. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's that. Or what wine they drink. In most of the cases, none of these kids can drink wine. That's uh, so anyway, the forwards, uh, Ayo Akinola from Toronto. Akinola. Akinola? Mm-hmm. Akinola, thank you. Legit. All right. Uh, Paul Ariola is back. Daryl Dike. From Orlando City, uh, Georgi uh, Mihailovic, Mihailovic from the Fire, from the Fire, Chris Mueller from Orlando, who I love, and uh, a really major surprise—not a surprise today, but a surprise last week when we found out that uh, he was going to call it, get called in and accepted. Efrain Alvarez from the LA Galaxy. Now, Alvarez is, is a surprise only because he was a U, a U.S. youth player, I think, up until. Was it 12 or 15 years old? 15. 
It was 15, and he had a really bad experience with one of the coaches in the U, whoever was running the U15s. He had a horrific experience and basically said, screw this, I'm never coming back. And his dad is like a really big Mexico national team guy. And so Mexico called him in, you know, the whole family. And he's been there, and he's always basically said, yeah, I'm going to play for Mexico, play for Mexico. But within the last year... This is what I've read anyway, because John is shaking his head again. So within the last year, I spoke with the guy. Okay, well, many okay, so times. You can come back. All right. Well, so let's tell uh, you what I read as far as let, let me finish my story. <laughs> and then you can correct me. Within the last year, oh, they started to change. Why I'm going to allow you to make the mistake? Okay, but... fine. Then, then go. Then, t- then tell me. Because from what I read, he was dead set against represent- representing the United States. And then things started to change. And now he's actually accepted a call-up. So, fine. Go. Tell me. He, of course, he uh, made clear that his experience was really bad at that point with that coach. Was that? Was that? Was it Dave Vandenberg? I think so. Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm surprised, but I, I, he was players generally like playing for him. But with the consoling of his father and his brother, Carlos, who play a little bit on MLS and he played USL, um, he always was on public leaving doors open for both national teams. Always. He every time we spoke with the guy when he was even with the Galaxy 2, that yeah. nobody saw him playing with the Galaxy because they play in that little stadium where just a couple of people go to watch them. He, he played won- against New York City FC and James Sands in the uh, right. final three years ago. Exactly. Yeah. And he always said it. Yes, I'm going with Mexico right now. I'm accepting their invitations to camp, but I'm always going to have the doors open. That's a decision that I'm going to take whenever the the absolute team is coming to the, you know, to the point of me have to decide it. So right now I'm accepting Mexico's invitations and that's where we're playing. Uh, I'm playing right now. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you cleared that up because for the stuff that I was reading was that basically he had, you know, thought no. that he was basically going to represent Mexico right. and that the U S really didn't have much of a chance, but just, once Berhalter started speaking to him, things started to change. No, that's not true. Again, I spoke with the guy. I have another story months later with no, that's fine. And his that's... brother at the same time. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah, he always was clear that the doors will be open for both national teams. Of course, I'm not saying that the conversations with Bert Halter didn't happen. They did happen. And of course, if the coach told you, listen, I'm not going to talk about what happened before because I wasn't there, but I'm sure that it's going to be totally different. So, you know, let's come to this camp. Right. Give it a it doesn't mean anything, right? You're not competing. Right. So come, let's talk. Let's have it a go. And then we go from there. Right. It's a, not, there's no commitment one way or the other unless he decides to. But that's uh, up to him. And I'm sure that uh, Mexico will talk. It's going to be another Jonathan, uh, what was it? Uh, Jonathan Gonzalez situation. Happened nothing. And Jonathan Gonzalez, we don't hear from him anymore. Well, that's the thing about uh, Alvarez. Do you do you guys rate him to the level? Yeah, how is good this, is he? Is this more about the U.S. beating Mexico out for a youth player, or is is it more you know Alvarez? We've got to have him because you know he's you know he, he's he's he he's that good. Extra dimension. He's special. He's you know all this other stuff. No, he's good. Yes, he's talented. He's good, with right? The, yeah. Yes, he's talented with the ball. Yes, he's good. Yes, but 
let's put it on, you know, his recent coaches. He needs to work as a professional. He's not taking care of his body. He's not taking care of his life. He's not taking care of his daily routines as a professional. Um, he had a lot more playing time with Guillermo because Guillermo sat down with him and told him, listen, is this or nothing? I mean, your career is going down the drain if you're not doing this. Mm. So, you know, do it. Yeah. And whenever Guillermo put him in, he actually impacted the team. And Guillermo always said it. Credit on him because he turned out that page and started to work as a professional. And if he works as a professional, he's talented enough to play really good football. So, you know, that's that. You need that guy to keep being consistent on that, to keep producing. And second, um, his position is a position in which you right now have a lot of talent. Well, that's the thing about the U.S., and that's another thing that eventually, and maybe we'll talk about it next week uh, before the uh, before the next game, is that well, when we start to look at the depth that the U.S. national team has now, I mean, there's there's a lot of fighting for positions. This is a very different team from where it was two years ago. I mean, what we're talking about having young players playing in great teams and starting as opposed to where we the U.S. was two years ago, that you had players in Europe, but were just on the bench or getting limited minutes. Uh, things have changed considerably. Okay, well, the U.S. has a player that's starting and making an impact for Barcelona. I mean, they got players for Borussia Dortmund. Now, all of a sudden, you started to see guys who, who may start impacting the lineup in Bayern Munich. You have a starter for Juventus. I mean, it's like, what the heck? This is totally, this is a different ballgame. And not, not even thinking about Tyler Adams uh, with Leipzig. I mean, this is big time stuff now. It's, it's a different situation. And Chelsea with, uh, with Christian Pulisic, who's the leader of the pack. And back, back to the first point, when we started to talk about this roster, is very smart. Because you know that all those guys, you're not going to have those guys for a pre-Olympic tournament. So you need to start building yeah. a team based yeah. on yeah. that. I, well, I, and there's some interesting players here, man. Akinola and DK. I mean, you know, if they develop. Mueller. 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 I love Mueller. I've really always liked him. I mean, maybe because he's always killing New York City, but for crying <laughs> out loud, he always seems to play really well every time we get a chance to look at him. He's oh, an impact look. player on that team. We can. I think that'd be good for the next show to go through some of the depth and maybe talk about our, yeah. maybe our top three or four or five guys in each position. Uh, that's go, uh, go through that's it. That fun. sounds like fun. What's All the right, date of our next show? So December 9th, uh, it's been announced they're playing El Salvador at, uh, at Fort Lauderdale. Lauderdale. Yeah, at the yeah. Miami Stadium, where 2,500 fans will be permitted inside the stadium. So there you go. All right. Uh, Orlando City, boy, they, they behaved well, right? From a COVID standpoint, those supporters uh, yesterday, right? Or whenever that game was. Holy smokes. Yeah, out of Florida, I think. Oh, that's why there. Florida. That's why Florida is Florida. Well, listen, let's bring this one to a close. Uh, we, we mentioned it at the top of the show. Uh, and as some of the clips maybe that you'll see throughout on Twitter and social media that Glenn will post. Um, you see Glenn, Roberto, and John all with different tributes to Diego Maradona. Obviously, shocked the soccer world uh, with his passing. I'll just go around the room and let each of you guys, um, you know, reflect on your thoughts on the player, the person, 
maybe I know a moment in terms of a game that you witnessed in person or uh, you know, whatever, whatever you want to talk about. Um, Roberto, um, I'll start with you. Uh, I'll put it this way. We're talking about one of the great all-time talent in all of sport. The guy could do things that were just off the charts. I mean, you're, you're talking about him at the same level with Pelé, or you look, you're talking him at the same level as Michael Jordan if you want to go outside of, uh, outside of soccer. Um, an extraordinary, extraordinary talent that galvanized a nation more than any single figure that I can think of. I mean, there, there isn't anybody really that I can think of that was as adored as he was, although he was not a perfect human being. I mean, there were a lot of flaws, but that didn't seem to matter to anybody in Argentina or to 99% of the people in Argentina. I mean, he was absolutely adored uh, to, to the point of, you know, being idolized as a god. And, you know, they were... His hashtag in Spanish is Adios, and it's D-I-O-S. It's 10, Dios meaning God in Spanish. So um, it's just a, a terrible, terrible loss. Six, 60 years old, he shouldn't have died that young. And uh, it, it's really an, an, absolute, an absolute shame. Um, just uh, I got a chance to, to watch him play. I was lucky enough to cover the 1986 World Cup and talk to him. I was able to watch every one of his games live. I saw every one of Argentina's games in 1986, including the game against England, uh, where there was a hand of God and then the probably the most amazing goal scored in, uh, in soccer, especially for that moment. And uh, it's a terrible tragedy that uh, he has left us this young. John Rojas. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that you expected to happen at some point, seeing his life and seeing everything that he went through. Uh, he was very close to die at least three times before in different moments of his life, and he came back out of it. Um, but listen, it's, it's just, uh, if you talk about the game, it, it was just one of those guys that, there are not many in the world that can handle a tournament, a team, an opposition by himself. They can't play, you know, with an injury, uh, um, infiltrated to not feel pain, even though he barely can wear his shoes. And everything because, and more important for Argentinians, because of the love of the country. He always felt that that wasn't a game. It was a representation. It was uh, showing the pride of the country, the pl the pride of the of the of the flag, of the of the flag. Sorry. So you know, if you have a guy who goes to Naples and they change uh, the the saint that is the the patron of the city for him, that means a lot, right? If you have people who created a church in Argentina for under his name, that means a lot. And we're talking about a little kid that grew up in a tiny house with uh, uh, dirty floors, with sand floors, uh, with six brothers in one bedroom. 
And at 15, he was on top of the world. It's just too much to bear. You know, his life was that. I mean, nobody could say anything about how he will or should manage his life when basically nobody can live through that. You know, he was a little kid without nothing. And all of a sudden, he was on top of the world. And at some point during the 20th century, he was one of the three most important people in the world. It's, 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 you know, it's impressive. And, it's, and, and, and he represented for, for people without no means in Argentina, the chance to be someone, you know? I mean, we have a guy who is Argentinian, who is not only the best soccer player, but he's singing, singing with Pavarotti, or he's with the Pope, and he is, you know, and he comes from the most poor places of the city. So that means, like, we can do it too at some point. What? Yeah, I think uh, I'm glad you had Roberto and John on first because I think, uh, you know, Maradona's impacted their lives a little bit more from a soccer standpoint just because I'm telling you, I grew up here in the States with baseball and I didn't really start following the game until a little bit later in my life. Cosmos were the big thing in the uh, late 70s and early uh, 80s for me. And then I got involved seriously as a coach and then started really, you know, digging into the game more then. So, 86 World Cup have a have a great recollection of uh, of the things that happened there. But with games not being, you know, you think about Maradona, uh, you, you take you compare me, like a Messi and a Maradona or a, or a Cristiano Ronaldo and a, and a Maradona or a Pele. And we just we didn't have TV then to watch these games. You know, we didn't see these guys. The thing that stands out to me whenever I watch film of this dude is how and same with Pele. These guys get murdered. I mean, you, I, I laugh when I, when I, and I'm, you know, appalled oftentimes in the in the modern game to see guys tumbling and cringing and grabbing their ankle. These guys, they were kicked. Things from behind. I'm, I'm not saying that uh, the people weren't sent off for it or there weren't cards or, or or fouls called, but it was just a different kind of game, and to to perform at the, that level. And like John said, he's, he was a guy that could take over a game by himself, you know, by himself. Right, John. I mean, it was just like, yeah, uh, totally. you know, and he's doing it with P, P, I mean, literally just kicking him and the, 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 which you can't see right now, but the, the photo that I put up with a uh, uh, Maradona behind me is there's six players. There are six players who are facing him up to try to try to to make sure that he doesn't break them down and get into the next part of the field. I mean, it's it's a classic shot. My friend Dan Magner, who uh, coaches in the Midwest, sent this to me, and I was just uh, I hadn't seen the photo. I showed John early, and he he said he had seen it before. But it's uh, it just portrays that here's <laughs> six guys are surrounding this guy, and they, he probably got past him. I don't know. We'll we'll never know. All right, well, let's bring this one to a close and go around the room real quick. Uh, Glenn, what's going on with soccer? Uh, not soccer in the city. That's the show you're on right now. That's <laughs> right. Hey, you should well, pay what? attention to it every so often, Tom. Yeah, uh, well, no, I, but one other thing about Maradona <laughs> is I really, if people haven't, there's two documentaries about Maradona. One is his, his role as a coach in Mexico. It's really fascinating stuff. It's fantastic. And then the, the other one is more about, and, and, there, and again, this is... His time in Napoli, to me, was I, you know, I knew very little about it other than what I read about. And uh, so there's two, do you just, you know, there's two documentaries out there. The, the, the one about Napoli is Asif uh, Kapadia. He was the director who I was fortunate enough to, to interview right when that was released, I think in 2019. 
it's really uh, it's intriguing to to see uh, all, a lot of these and John Rojas just John Rojas when he gives his Twitter handle you know DM him and ask him for the the list of uh, John's got the best list of documentaries of anyone I know True. and they're always what's, they're always good. What's on the coaching academy? Uh, what, what is on the coaching academy? Let's see. United Soccer coaches a guy who's named uh, the Mike Berticelli uh, coaches award winner Neil Hull. He'll be on the show. Uh, I'm going to talk about a new app called, well, it's not new, but it, it's new to the States in, in many ways called B pro. And, uh, which is kind of a, it's one of these things where they set up cameras at the, at your training facility, your game facility, they lock them in and they do these analytics based on a lot of cool things. So they're on tomorrow. Somebody else. All right. I forget. That's fine. <laughs> You'll plug it in. You're a pro. <laughs> Roberto. I'm going to need that for my Riverdale team that goes indoors in Chelsea Piers uh, starting in December. So uh, to to, to analyze that. Yeah, I've got the money for that. Um, So um, still doing Jets radio, um, although I'll be off next week. I'm going to be doing CBS NFL uh, Jacksonville, Minnesota on Sunday. Well, you're off next week. You're off next week. The Jets have been off all season. So this this, is true. Very well. this is true. Although I enjoy doing the games, although it's it's hard to watch sometimes, but uh, but there's a lot to, to analyze. I'll tell you that much. Meanwhile, uh, as I said, this week I, I work for CBS and I'll be doing uh, Minnesota and Jacksonville. I don't know what part of the country that's going to be shown, obviously, in Minnesota and in Jacksonville. And then I'll be doing the Spanish commentary via SAP. You can follow me. On Twitter at Rob Abramowitz. You can also follow me on Facebook at Roberto Abramowitz Oficial. And I've been having a little fun on Instagram these days. So if you want to go to Instagram and uh, follow me at Roberto Abramowitz. And um, I'd love to talk about pretty much any sport you want to. There you go. John Rojas. Well, people can follow me on jrojas875. That is on Twitter uh, in the last episode of... uh, Jugador Franquicia, which is the podcast that we do in Spanish. We actually tape it on Wednesday, right after we, you know, got the news of Maradona. And uh, we open with a little tribute, Juan Mesa, Ariel Judas, and myself. Then I put that tribute uh, mixed with images, and I had that tribute on my Twitter if you want to go and Listen in Spanish and see those images. Did Ariel see him with Boca Juniors? I forget when Ariel was in Argentina. No. Okay. No, he's he him with Barcelona. He, no, he saw him with the national team. Yeah. Mm. No, because that was Ariel was probably a teenager at that point. Okay. I lose track. He looks young to me, so I thought maybe. You know that Argentina played the Cosmos, and Maradona was part of the team in 1979. Yeah, Maradona played in many places, even Canada. Yeah, and even uh, Canada. That's a good story, Canada. Wow. So, uh, yeah. So he played. He oh, played his, for the his best team. goal. He said so. The best goal of his life. And he said so. He is covered in Colombia, playing a friendly. The same thing that he played with Cosmos against Cosmos. It was against uh, Pereira, Deportivo Pereira. Okay. So it was 1979. Argentina beat the Cosmos one nothing on a Daniel Pasarela goal towards the end of the game. Over seventy thousand at Giant Stadium for that one. And don't ever, ever, even death, mention Pasarela to Maradona. Uh, they didn't get along. No. No. <laughs> Much like Glenn and Roberto a lot of times on this podcast. So no, we will. Uh, we adore each other. We will wrap it there. I look forward to another show next week, boys, for Glenn, Roberto, and John. I'm Tom. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Soccer in the City.